Two hunters are reported missing in Bear Mountain National Forest. The Midwest sees the worst drought in 30 years. Civil unrest is imminent. The Northeast power grid has blacked out. Economists fear the worst with falling markets. In other news, the pandemic has gone global. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Survival Tech. Tonight we're going to be talking about tornado preparedness and solar flares. How are you doing tonight, Matt? Pretty good. Yourself? Not too bad. Recently in our area we had some uh, tornado activity last Friday. Um, and we actually had a tornado, an F3 tornado, touch down in Moscow, Ohio. Yeah, pretty much leveled the town. Um, the winds were right around 160 mile an hour. And uh, there's a kind of a neat story um that is associated with the, with the twister um in Logan a woman and her roommate um they were shocked to find a check in their front yard early Saturday uh and it actually belonged to a woman in Moscow and um it's about 140 miles away that's pretty pretty neat how it was still intact and they were able to get the information out of it yeah yeah, they were actually able to uh, track it back to her, the ch- owner of the check's mother, and find out that the owner was okay. And uh, kind of a kind of a neat little story to go along with that. But I think that's with uh, early spring approaching, and um, you know, tornadoes starting to starting to really pop up. Um, that's why we're kind of going to do tonight's show um, along with the solar flare activity that's been going on. We're just going to kind of give a little discussion on what they are and, you know, how to prepare and if you can prepare. Well, Corey, do you want me to go ahead and go on to the Intel report? We'll get yeah, what do you got for us tonight? Well, um, with the Intel report, we've got a lot of recent posts um, here lately. Uh, the members area has been absolutely booming. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you a rundown of the new members. I'd like to welcome them officially. Um, we've got Scott from Utah. Welcome. We've got Jeff from Grove City, Ohio. And, welcome, uh, Jeff. Hopefully you can you can help me out with this one. Um, it's either J. Karcher, 1992, or J.C. Archer, 1992. Not exactly sure uh, how he wants that read. Um, he's from southeastern U.S. And then we also have Fishboy from Indiana. So welcome all the new members. We can't wait to hear your feedback and especially some of your forums. I know some of you guys have been uh, posting uh, with the forums quite a bit, and we, we appreciate all your feedback. Um, with the forums, we've got a ton of new forum posts and uh all of our listeners definitely stop by the website, survivaltech.webs.com and, uh, check out the forum post. We got some really neat things up. Um, a lot of, a lot of different pictures, 
um, some neat topics. Like we, you know, just I'm going to run down some real quick, if that's okay with you, Corey. Yeah, um, I want to get a, a brief out there. Uh, also check out our photo page and our video page. Um, we've got some of the other members posting videos and photos onto the web page. And uh, just a quick overview, we have 17 current members and 15 topics in our forums with 47 posts. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. We've got Andy. Um, he made a forum of the 10 seasons of survivability. Definitely check that one out. Um, I went ahead and I added a uh, places to visit. You know, let's let's see some of the wild areas around you. Um, I've got camping, just a basic camping and a camp security that I just added. You know, what what do you guys like to take camping and what do you use for camp security? Um, you know, we're not talking, you know, real big intruders or anything, but you know, any any type of security measures that you take against the dreaded raccoon. Um, the EDC Everyday carry items and setups. That has exploded. There's all kinds of different replies and posts and pictures in that one. That that's definitely one to watch. That's pretty cool. Um. So yeah, definitely definitely go and, and check that out. And the uh, canned meat has blown up too. Yeah. <laughs> so if you like canned meat, check it out and and. You know, give your response. Yeah, canned meat has a lot of photos with it. And, uh, you know, if, if you guys are looking for some different food stores, um, go ahead and check that out and it'll, it'll give you, it'll give you a, a few good ideas on, on some, uh, packable protein. So, well, so let's see. What else do we have for the Intel report? Um, like Corey said, we've got, 17 members now. Uh, we're looking for a goal of 25 members before we do our listener, or not listener, our member appreciation contest. Uh, we appreciate our members, um, for helping us, you know, get the website up and going. Um, like I said, you know, the, the posts and the forums, it, it's been great. I mean, we've got guys doing videos and, Submitting photos and, you know, just really making this a real nice resource for everybody that does listen to survival tech. Um, so we want to give back and, uh, you know, show our appreciation for our members. So that's one reason to go into our members forum and join and, uh, and become a member. And Corey, do you want to go ahead and run down the items that we have finally decided upon? In our member appreciation contest. Yeah. The prize package will consist of a magnesium fire starter, a uh, Columbia River eating tool, an emergency blanket, a compass, a paracord key fob with a P38 can opener, and one of the first official survival tech t-shirts. Now, how this is going to work is once we get our 25 members, we're going to choose a member at random, and it's only going to be one member. We will get in touch with that one member. Upon receiving your information, 
we will then have the t-shirt made because we're going to have the t-shirt custom made for you. Um, so we're going to need to know not only where to ship everything else to, we're also going to need your t-shirt size. So, you know, give us, give us the size that you wear. And, you know, then as soon as that ships out, um, which will be as soon as the t-shirt gets done, then, uh, what we'll do is we will announce it not only on the website, but on the very next show. So yeah, look for that. Once we get everything, we'll also, uh, or, or try to compile a, uh, picture of everything that's going to be included so you can see it. Um, except for the survival t-shirt, um, the survival tech t-shirt. Um, we'll wait till that one is actually, uh, officially made and then put it on. And then we would like to get the rest of our listeners feedback to, uh, determine whether or not this might be something you would like to, to throw into your, your bag and carry with you with one of our survival tech t-shirts. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Now, one thing that we can include is the actual logo that we're going to put on it because, um, we have a couple different logos that, that we're looking at. But, um, you know, cause we, we keep making, you know, new ones and playing with them. You know, we've had a couple in episodes like three and four. I think we had a, a different logo on. Um, but yeah, go ahead and, and, uh, we'll throw up the logo that we decide that we're going to actually put on our shirts too. Cause we're going to go ahead and, and make those up as well. So, um, we have a voicemail line and, uh, we had a phone call the other night and it sounded like a hang up. So just a note to our listeners, um, for those of you that are wanting to call in, if something happens and there, there is an option to review your message before you send it, um, just go ahead and, and do that. You know, take, take the extra minute or whatever to, to listen to your message back. Make sure it gets through to us and, uh, we will definitely include it on the very next, very next podcast. So Corey, do you want to go ahead and, and, uh, get the ball rolling and, Let's talk about a little bit of tornado safety. Sure. Before a tornado, a tornado, um, you should build an emergency kit and make your family uh, aware of your uh, emergency evacuation plan, um, your communication plan. If a you know disaster actually occurs, um, you'll want to listen to your uh, you know TV. Um, if you still have power, commercial radio, and the best thing you can listen to is a wind-up um, NOAA weather radio. Um, wind-up is the best. That way you don't have to worry about, you know, if your batteries are are still, you know, good or if you uh, stole them for the remote or, or whatever the case may be. Um, definitely, you know, recommend having a, a wind-up radio um, within your kit. Uh, be alert. To any of the changing weather conditions, especially if they're happening quickly. Um, and once signs start appearing for a tornado, start looking for dark, often greenish skies, large hail, a large, dark, low-lying cloud, and then uh, the obvious uh, loud roar that everyone refers to as a uh, sounding like a freight train. Yeah, and especially with the clouds, if if there's any rotation, 
that's going to be another danger sign. So definitely, you know, definitely keep that in mind. Um, during a tornado, um, if you're under a tornado warning, go ahead and seek shelter immediately. And remember that the difference is a tornado watch is that the likelihood is high that a tornado could happen. Um, it means that the conditions are very right, and you need to go ahead and start getting your stuff ready so you can act. If your area is under a tornado warning, then that means that rotation has been spotted. So you need to take shelter immediately. So, during a tornado, um, you need, if, if you're in a, a, a structure, you know, a residence, a small building, school, nursing home, hospital, whatever, uh, you need to go to the pre-designated shelter area, such as safe room, basement, storm cellar, or the lowest building level. If there is no basement, go to the center of an interior room on the lowest level, uh, which would be closet, interior hallway, away from corners, windows, doors, outside walls. Uh, put as many walls as possible between you and the outside. Um, in a high-rise building, you can go to a small interior room or hallway on the lowest floor possible. Um, put on sturdy shoes and do not open the windows. Um, if you're in a vehicle, trailer, or a mobile home when this is happening, get out immediately and go to the lowest floor of a sturdy nearby building or storm shelter. Mobile homes, even if tied down, offer little protection from tornadoes. If you are outside with no shelter around you, by flattening a nearby ditch or depression and cover your head with your hands, be aware of the potential for flooding. Do not get it under an overpass or bridge, you are safer in a lower, flat location. Never try to outrun a tornado in urban or congested areas in a car or truck. Instead, leave the vehicle immediately for safe shelter. Uh, watch out for flying debris. Flying debris from tornadoes causes most fatalities and injuries. And once a tornado has passed through your area, you need to be careful and when you go out and you start inspecting the damage that is done. Um, most of the injuries that occur during a, um, a tornado, a, a good portion of the injuries that occurred during, during a tornado is, uh, actually after to the tornado when you're out, you know, inspecting the damage and seeing what happened around your area. Um, stepping on nails, you're going to have live power lines, um, ruptured gas lines, and, you know, there's always a risk of fire, electrocution and explosions, um, and then also trying to help rescue someone, you know, that is injured and there hasn't been any, um, medical personnel on the scene yet. Um, you can not only, you know, do more damage to the person that you're trying to help, but you can also, you know, injure yourself as well and create the, uh, you know, a worse situation. Um, so if you do have to, or if you do try to, to rescue someone that has something collapsed on top of them, um, grab a couple different people um, to give you a hand. Uh, one person to start lifting using a fulcrum, um, lifting the object up, and a couple other people start uh, stacking things underneath it so that the wall doesn't come crashing down back on top, uh, two by fours, four by fours, whatever you can grab around you um, to make the structure sturdy 
and lift up just a few inches at a time until it's off of the person and you they can safely be you know rescued uh, a quick little tip on trying to rescue someone that may be uh stuck in a bad position well buddy um we've got a listing here of what the parameters and the uh, categories of the storms are and I think it's good to go ahead and and find out you know exactly what you know, an F0, an F2, an F3, what it is. Um, I'm going to give the scale rating, uh, the mile an hour, and then the potential damage. Um, an F0 is an estimated wind speed between 40 and 72 miles an hour. Um, you're going to see some light damage, um, some damage to chimneys, branches broken off trees, um, you know, something like that, you know, signboards damaged. Um, with an F1, that's going to be 73 to 112 mile an hour. Um, this is moderate damage. The lower limit is the beginning of hurricane wind speed. So that means it will peel surface off roofs. Uh, mobile homes pushed off foundations are overturned. And uh, moving automobiles will be pushed off the roads. Um an F2, that's where we're going to start getting into, you know, some, some pretty decent damage. Um, it's considered significant damage, uh, 113 to 157 mile an hour. Um, that's the one that I had last year, um, during, what was it, the late spring? I had that F2 come through. Yeah, driving um, before we went, um, mushroom hunting. Yep. Uh, that consists of an F2, what, what, what you'll end up uh, expecting is uh, roofs torn off, frames of houses, uh, mobile homes demolished, uh, boxcars could be overturned, large trees snapped or uprooted, um, high-rise windows broken and blown in, and uh, light object missiles generated. Uh, with an F3, we're looking at severe damage. Uh, roofs, and that's, that's 158 to 206 mile an hour. Uh, roofs and some walls torn off while constructed houses. Most trees and forests uprooted. Uh, skyscrapers twisted and deformed with massive destruction of exteriors. Heavy cars lifted off the ground and thrown. Then we get into the F4. That's 207 to 260 mile an hour. That is devastating damage and that's well constructed houses leveled. Structures with weak foundations blown away. Um, that gives the potential to overturn trains, uh, throw cars, and large missiles generated. Um, skyscrapers and high-rises toppled and destroyed. And then we've got the big boy. This is the F5. We're looking at 261 to 318 mile an hour. This is incredible damage. Strong frame houses lift off, lifted off foundations and carried considerable distances to disintegrate. Automobile-sized missiles fly through the air in excess of 100 yards. Trees debarked, steel-reinforced concrete structures badly damaged. That kind of brings everything in perspective. Um, I believe I pulled that right off of Wikipedia. Um so you guys can go and check that out. It's got some some pretty interesting pictures, but 
but yeah, that's, that's, that kind of puts everything in perspective. So when you, when you, next time you hear of a tornado and it says, okay, you know, this came through and, and yeah, it was an F3, then you know automatically, wow, that's between 158 and 206 mile an hour. So, you know, to, to take it serious because there could be, there could be some, some major injuries. Yeah, and with that, anytime that there is, you know, a tornado watch or a tornado warning, um, you, you really need to listen to the, to your news, um, whether it be NOAA, your local news, whatever the case may be, but you need to do what they say. And a lot of times they don't want you out, you know, taking pictures and, and sending it to them. You need to take cover. Um, in order to take cover, you're also going to need stuff for when you get out. Uh, we kind of went over this earlier, but you, you need a emergency kit. Um, you know, most of us that are in the, you know, prepper survival mindset already have bags together and it's not a problem. But if you don't have one yet, this is a good reason to put one together, you know, to start with, to start putting your stuff together, put some flashlights and extra batteries or a wind up flashlight, even better. Um, have another way to listen to, uh, you know, the news and the radio as far as, you know, wind up NOAA radio or, you know, something to that effect so you can get the information in case the power goes out. Because more than likely, after a tornado, you're not going to have power. Um, have things available to, you know, have a nice sturdy pair of leather gloves so you can move debris out of your way. Um, uh, some food and water that you can have. Um, so you're able to, you know, calm some people down, um, that may be shaken up from the whole ordeal, you know, with food, um, you know, food is comfort. Um, so you really need to take this stuff seriously, um, especially coming into the spring months. Uh, yeah. And, and something, something that's, that's, that kind of puts this in a, in another perspective is, we had a tornado watch and towards the end of January, I believe it was. Um, it was very strange, but it was extremely mild that day. And uh, it was right around, I think it was like 8 o'clock at night. Um, very strange, very strange. But my county, um, which Corey and I live in the same county, we... Uh, we ended up having a tornado watch. That's like, wow, in January. And with everything that happened um, last spring with the F2, um, all I had to do is, is tell the kids, hey, go grab the tornado bag. And they did, I mean, they all of them, you know, e- even the four-year-old, they all had jobs. They grabbed what they needed. Um the my my two young boys they went ahead and grabbed the flashlights and drug the bag into the bathroom um i do not have a basement um my house is you know slab so the the strongest most interior um room that i have is my bathroom so they're sitting in the bathtub and they've got everything. Um, my my oldest uh, got the dog, and done deal. She and uh, she also 
uh, grabbed uh, our walkie-talkies, and uh, I got one, and she had the other one so she could communicate with us. We could keep her up to date on what was going on outside because since it was a watch, I wanted to go outside. Uh, tornado sirens were going, and I wanted to look at the clouds myself. So I stepped out real quick. I was able to tell her, you know, yes, I see rotation. No, we don't. You know, it was, it was extremely efficient and it really surprised me. But, you know, after, after last spring, what happened, it was, it was kind of, kind of like just doing, you know, another drill because we have done drills, you know, since then because we weren't going to get, we weren't going to get caught again because the one that happened, um, uh, last spring, it came in the middle of the night. And, um, you know, that's, that's pretty scary. So this one, we had everything, you know, done and, and everything, you know, just fell right into place. You know, everybody knew their job. They did it. They did it extremely well. And, um, you know, in, in a situation like that, that's what you want. You want, you know, a lot of what they call is, you know, like muscle memory. You know, you just, you want that to take over and instinct and just, okay, that's why we drill. It takes over. I do this, you do that. And it was, it was great. Yeah. When tornadoes come in in the night, that's the most dangerous and most deadly because it's so hard to see it coming. Um, most of us are already asleep and we're, you know, not paying attention you know, to the weather outside we we hear a storm, but then we, you know, lay our heads back down and go to sleep. But once those tornado sirens go off, you wake up and you wake up in a hurry, especially if you have kids. Um, when that happened, I grabbed, you know, I grabbed one child, my wife grabbed the other and we came down to her basement and we, luckily we do have a basement, um, which my bag and everything is already down here. Um, but if you don't have a basement, or even if you do, grab extra blankets and extra pillows on on your way down there if you pass it. Now, don't go out of your way if you need it. Um, but grab a mattress or something that you can use, you know, to protect yourself. I know Matt, his bathroom is right near um, his bedrooms. And, you know, if they're going in the uh, bathtub, it would be, you know, grab some blankets, go in there. They can, you know, be comfortable and have extra protection, you know, from the house. So. You know, that's something that you might want to, you know, add to your bag um, or keep in the area that, you know, is your uh, safe spot in your home yep. is extra blankets and pillows. Yeah, we have a linen closet right outside the bathroom. And in that linen closet, we that's where we keep the heavier, just like throw blankets and everything. So um, that was that was part of it. You know, grab all the blankets and throw them in the bathtub as well. So. But yeah, I mean, that's, you don't know when it can happen and when it does. Um, it's kind of funny because it, it's not funny, but it is kind of funny. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you all can, uh, uh, laugh with me on this. I, I watched Twister, um, just, uh, yeah. Oh shoot. It was like last Thursday or last Wednesday and, uh, it was on Netflix. Streaming, so I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I haven't seen Twister for a while, and uh, 
I'm watching it, and you know, it's 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 cheesy, and I'm I'm eating it up, you know, because I'm I'm like that. And uh, when they're discussing all the different levels of the tornadoes, and they, you know, the um, the one checks like, you know, well, you know, is any, you know, what what's an F five, you know, who's and uh, the one guy goes, you know, well, you know that that's that's the finger of God. Yeah, that's that's complete destruction. You know, the thing is with tornadoes, you get when the siren goes off, you might have 15 minutes to prepare. It could be a siren and nothing happens, or it can be on you within two minutes. You know, you you never know. So, you know, just just take it. Just take it serious. Nothing like flying cows, right? Right. <laughs> There's a cow. There's another cow. Nope. I think that's the same, same one. Cow. <laughs> we we got sisters. It's split. Okay, I'm we've sorry. Seen that movie too many times. Oh man, that's that's a good movie. It's a, it's a decent movie. <laughs> it and it it's it was a decent when I was ten years old, and you know. Not prepared, <laughs> or didn't know about special effects. Yeah, <laughs> you should really go back and, and revisit it, man, because it's it's like wow, cartoon tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you want to move on to solar flares? Yes, this is something that I really I'm gonna admit I don't know a whole lot about, and I had to do a lot of research and. A lot of this is going to be reading the notes that I pulled um, because I I really didn't know a whole lot about solar flares. And I know the only the only thing that I really knew about it was back in the 1800s. There's a solar flare storm that ended up burning down telegraph wires or not not wires, but the actual poles. Yeah, and. But yeah, I don't that, know what size that solar storm was. No, I don't know either. But all I know is, you know, that's that's very impressive, you know, to do something like that in the 1800s. Um, and it's it's kind of creepy, you know, considering, you know, all the wires and the electronics that are running right now. And you know, if if a solar flare could, you know, generate enough heat from a pulse to actually burn down telegraph poles and shut down the communications back then, you know, just think about what it could do now. So before I get too in depth of, you know, reading, because I'm not too familiar with solar flares either. I had to do some research um, as well, but I just want to throw some quick things out there that I did look up um, and that stuck out in my mind. Um, and why we're going over this. Uh, last, I believe, Thursday night, um, Wednesday night, Thursday night, we had a solar flare that was heading towards the Earth, and it was a G3 plus solar flare, um, or solar storm. Uh, we'll get into the actual classifications a little bit, um, later on. So, that was the second one this year. I think there was one, don't quote me, back in February, January, February. January. Um, that 
there was uh, another solar storm that passed by us, which is the second one in, you know, just a few months. And they were both decent-sized solar storms from what the news reported. And then if you go back even farther, um, you have all this. You have on Doomsday Preppers people prepping, you know, for EMPs due to solar flares. Um, but, you you know, you may not really know what what the likelihood of it was. And then going back even farther, there's a couple, uh, about a year or so, two years ago, um, on True TV, there was a TV show called uh, Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura. And on that, um, they did a doomsday scenario, you know, conspiracy theory um, about 2012. And they covered everything from the Mayans to the U.S. government preparing, you know, up in the mountains and all that. But one of the spots that they were, one of the things they were talking about was solar flares and how 2012 was, this is, you know, it kind of stuck in my head that 2012 was going to have an increased activity of solar flares that which came straight from NASA. NASA put out this bulletin saying 2012 was going to high, have a high amount of solar flare activity or solar storm activity. Um, and then here we're already three months in and have two, um, good size solar storms you know hit the earth which is uh i know the one in january they actually um diverted some flights over the uh the arctic poles the north pole um in that region um so that because that was the area that was being hit you know with the radiation um because they're able to take out communication and uh all kinds of power problem power supply problems um, so there's a, there's a lot of neat information in this that you never really hear about because solar storms, I, when, how they record them is in cycles and each cycle is 11 years. And we really have had a really minimal solar storm activity in the last 11 years. But in 1989, um, I don't know the size of the solar storm. I read it the other day. Um, when I, I just heard about the one on Thursday, there was a solar storm. I believe it was similar to the size of the one we had that day, and that's why they quoted it in the article, um, which was a G3 Plus, that hit Canada and actually took out power to 6 million plus, you know, customers of, of the power in Canada, which is quite amazing, um, was something that you really don't hear about to do so much damage. Now, was that solar flares? Or was that the storm that you're talking about? I believe that was the storm. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Why don't you give classifications on the storm, since that's what you kind of researched? Okay. And I'll give the classifications on solar flare, which, All right. which both of them can produce EMPs. Um, what I found, what a solar flare, you know, and I wrote this in my notes, what the hell is a f- solar flare? A solar flare is a sudden brightening observed over the sun's surface or the solar limb, which is interpreted as a large energy release of energy. Okay? So this is the classifications from the NASA website. Solar flares are giant explosions on the sun that send energy, light, and high-speed particles into space. 
These flares are often associated with solar magnetic storms known as coronal mass ejections. The number of solar flares increase approximately every 11 years, and the sun is currently moving towards another solar maximum, likely in 2013. That means more flares will be coming, some small and some big enough to send the radiation all the way to Earth. Okay, now, the biggest flares are known as X-class flares, based on a classification system that divides solar flares according to their strength. Smallest ones are A-class, which is just background levels, followed by B-class, C-class, M-class, and X-class. Similar to the Richter scale for earthquakes, each letter represents a tenfold increase in energy output. So that means an X is 10 times an M class and 100 times a C class. And then within each letter class, there is a finer scale from 1 to 9. C class and smaller flares are too weak to noticeably affect Earth. But M class flares can cause brief radio blackouts at the poles and minor radiation storms that might endanger astronauts. With an X-class flare, although X is the last letter, uh, there are flares more than 10 times the power of an X-1. So X-class flares can go higher than the 9 um, finer scale. The most powerful flare measured with modern methods was in 2003, during the last solar maximum. And it was so powerful that it overloaded the sensors measuring it. The sensors cut out at an X-28. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Now, I don't really remember that one in 2003. I don't either. So, I mean, you know, I'm not arguing with it. I just, I can't remember anything really happening. And, uh, you know, with an X-28... Yeah, it's very possible. But did it hit Earth? Right, right. That's. I mean, it could have went the opposite, you know, direction. Right. You know, and this is this is this only really greatly affects us when it is pointed at Earth, like the one in January and like the one on Thursday night. Right. Yeah, because um, let's see, with a solar flare, it says right up here. Let's see, the energy releases um, of up to 6 times 10 to the 25th power joules of energy, okay? So each solar flare can be about a sixth of the total energy output of the sun each second. Or, and this is where we're going to put it into kind of our perspective that we can really wrap our heads around it, 160 Billion megatons of TNT equivalent. Kaboom. Billion. That's a big boom. So, wow. Yeah, that's pretty big. So, while you're reading that, mm-hmm. I just looked up and on, it was, it, the storm that we had recently, mm-hmm. um, peaked out. Um, it was, 
the solar flare that was released was on last Tuesday. Okay. And it was a powerful X5 class solar flare. X5? It was an X5. Okay. And last Tuesday, just so we know, you know, we're recording this on March 10th. So last Tuesday, we're we talking the 6th or the 28th of February. We're talking the 6th. Okay. So March 6th. March 6th. Um, the sun erupted with an X5 solar flare. And on Friday morning, it peaked on Earth as a G3 level storm, which is a geomagnetic storm is what it caused. Okay, so the flare then can then cause a storm. The flare causes the storm, and there's three different storms. Okay. And that's what I'm going to get into now. Once a solar flare erupts, from what I'm gathering, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, it is able to create three different types of storms that hit that impact Earth. One of them is a geomagnetic storm, which is a disturbance in the geomagnetic magnetic field caused by gusts in the solar wind that blows by Earth. And they have categories similar to hurricanes and tornadoes. From G1 to G5. And then there's a solar radiation storms, which is elevated levels of radiation that occur when the numbers of energetic particles increase. And those storms are classified from S1 to S5. And then you have radio blackouts, which is the disturbances of the ionosphere caused by X-ray emissions from the sun. And those are classified from categories R1 to R5. All this information I uh, am pulling from www.swpc.noaa.gov. Um, I'll also be making a uh, form note on our website citing this uh, URL, and we'll be putting a uh, PDF file out there for you all to reference as well. Um, getting into the geomagnetic storms, a G1 is minor, and the power systems uh, can expect uh, weak power grid malfunctions. A G2 is moderate with high latitude power systems may experience volt voltage alarms. Long duration storms may cause transformer damage. A G3 is a strong storm. This is what we had um, a few nights ago. Um, voltage corrections may be required and false alarms triggered on some protection devices. And the, uh, what's neat about this one, the Aurora, um, the Northern Lights can be seen, uh, as low as Illinois and Oregon, um, starting at the G3. The G4 is severe with possible widespread voltage control problems and some protective systems will mistakenly trip out key assets from the grid. And, uh, the Aurora can be seen as low as Alabama and Northern California. And then the G5, the big one, extreme. Widespread voltage control problems and protective system problems can occur. Some grid systems may experience complete collapse of, or blackouts. Trans, transformers may experience damage. Um, and the Aurora will, will, could be seen as low as Florida and Southern Texas. The Northern Lights, could you imagine? Being in southern Texas and Florida on the beach and looking up and seeing the northern lights. 
that'd be different. That would. You wouldn't know what was going on. Now, getting into the uh, solar radiation storms. Um, solar radiation storms are ca- categorized from S1 to S5. S1 is minor, and the biological effect is none, um, with minor impacts on HF radios in the polar regions. S2 is moderate. Passengers and crew in high-flying aircraft at high uh, latitudes may, may be exposed to elevated r- radiation risk. And uh, small effects on HF propagation through the polar regions and navigation at polar caps uh, locations possibly affected. S3 is strong. Biological impact is radiation hazard. Um, avoidance recommended for astronauts on EVA. Passengers and crew in high-flying aircraft at high altitudes may be exposed to radiation. An S4 is severe, unavoidable radiation hazards to astronauts, and passenger and crew in high-flying aircraft at high altitudes may experience ex- may be exposed to radiation risk. S5 is extreme, an unavoidable high radiation to astronauts, and passenger and crew in high-flying aircraft. <laughs> That repeats throughout every single <laughs> yes, one. Yes, it does. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Corey is not skipping here, just just so our audience knows. It, it really does. And when I that. read it, it does say high latitudes, not altitudes, too. Yep. So that got me messed up. <laughs> sound right. Because <laughs> it's not right. Well, I, I think they're talking about the latitudes on on the globe. Oh, so I'm not right. <laughs> Well, who knows? Who knows? You know, it, it could either be me. It reads better high altitudes, right? But, but you yeah, know, it, it could be. Could I don't be know. Altitudes. I don't know. Well, I guess if you stay on the longitude, you're fine, <laughs> right? Well, the the lower the latitude, the safer you are. Makes sense. But who knows? Somebody, somebody's finger could be stuttering there. You know, switching the A and the L. I know it's happened to me a few times. <laughs> anyway, you know, our audience can go and, and check this out. You know, for themselves. Um, and then last is the radio blackouts, mm-hmm. which R one is minor. Uh, HF radio. Um, effect is either weak and weak or minor. Um, occasional loss of radio contact. And R2 is moderate with limited blackout of HF radio communications. And R3 is strong with wide area blackout of HF radio, radio communications. S4 and I'm sorry, an R4, um, communication, HF radio communication blackout on most of the sunlit side of Earth uh, for one to two hours. And an R5 is complete HF radio blackout on the entire sunlit side of the Earth, lasting for a number of hours. This results in no HF radio contact with uh, mariners and in route aviators in this sector. Because that's pretty severe. Mm-hmm. Lose all HF radio communications? Yeah, that's... uh. 
That's not cool. Especially for several hours. Yeah. Could you imagine all the lost airspace and, and, you know, ships throughout the world or throughout, you know, half the earth Mm -hmm. at the same time? Yeah, that would be, be, that could spell some disaster waiting to happen there. If nothing else, you know, economic, you know, with lost wages and. Oh yeah. Yeah, everything else, you know, with all the shipping industry and. That, that could be bad. So that's a quick run through, um, over the three different types of, uh, storms that can be, um, affected by solar flares. Um, I apologize for, uh, not proofreading from the website, but, you know, I thought I could go with it. Um, but it definitely stumbled me up in places. Um, but if you guys have any other more information or some other sites that, uh, are available, um, so Matt and I can get better familiar and better, you know, well-rounded, uh, with solar flares and geomagnetic magnetic storms. Uh, looks like this year and next year may have an increase, um, you know, possibility of them occurring and hitting earth. So, uh, we need to be better prepared ourselves and then any information we get out, you know, we'll definitely pass back along to all of our listeners. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is a real good opportunity for all of us to learn together about this. We um, all, because I, I up- well, I, I guarantee a lot of us, you know, those who even, you know, definitely know a lot more than, than what we do about this, they probably don't know everything. So, you know, the more information that we can put in our resource that is survival tech, you know, especially the website, the better off we're all going to be. Yeah, and we've all grew up and, you know, we knew about, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes and the ratings. But up until this year, I never heard of the classification for, you know, geomagnetic storms or the solar flares um, from A, B, C, M, X. I didn't know what any of that meant or, or how it even affected us. Well, um, I mean, so, look, look at 2003 with that X-28 flare. Yeah, I mean, that it, was, I mean, that that was so big that, you know. I didn't even pay attention to it. So. And I would assume that that one did not impact Earth. No. We probably would have had, you know, major power failure. So, here's a question for you. In order to prepare, because it's nothing that that we can stop. It's just something that we're going to have to deal with. We can't stop it? Uh, I'm sure there's some NASA engineer scientist somewhere saying if we shoot out 6,000 nuclear weapons. No, no. Create a shield. No, we have to shoot out Bruce Willis. Mm. And land him on the sun and release the pressure. So they can start drilling. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, and I know who that engineer is. It's Billy Bob Thornton, man. <laughs> That's another good movie. It is a good movie. Two good movies we brought up. This isn't even a movie review. And we've already brought out some good ones. Oh, just wait. Just wait, because you know that episode is coming. Where we're going to talk about First Blood and Red Dawn and all the good ones. Yeah, I'm... 
I'd like to see if Red Dawn actually makes it out this year as it's expected to. Well, anyway, let, let's get <laughs> that man. I, I could go off for hours on that one. That might be our next episode. Yeah, that that sounds good. That sounds. If you good. guys would like to hear about it, you know, shoot us some forums, um, or I'll even start a forum uh, of what movies you guys would like to like to you know hear about or uh, hear I, our responses about. And I don't. I don't want that. Oh, go ahead and I, I want a forum. Yeah, don't, I'm not saying yeah, I don't, I don't want that at all. Go ahead and let's do a forum. But what I want is I want voicemails. I want you guys to review movies too. And, uh, go ahead and send those in and we're, we'll just have a review show for next time about different survival disaster movies. I'd love to hear it. Love to hear that's it. That's great. Yeah, and then we can just run through and we can say, okay, you know, it's from this member. Here's his review. This is his movie. Boom, we'll play it. And then Corey and I will review the ones that that weren't brought up. And give us your top one or two. Yeah. And a brief description of, you know, what they're about and how they impact the survival category. Yeah, because I think you only have two minutes on the voicemail. Um. And then, you know, let's not try to cram in a whole bunch of them. And, uh, you know, definitely just your top one or yeah, two, like Corey one or said. Two and, and then we'll, we'll give the other members, you know, that, that'll give them a, a chance to, to go ahead. So, so here's if you your, have more than that, throw them on the forum page. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, so there's your episode 10. That's, that's what episode 10 is. There's your homework. Let's do some voicemails so we can have a, uh, a little bit of a lighter survival tech um, for episode 10, and we'll talk about some some survival movies. So, with all joking aside, and without shooting Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis <laughs> up to the sun so they can drill, um, how do how do we prepare for a solar flare? The only thing that I've been able to find, Corey, is Faraday cages. Well, what is a Faraday cage? Well, let me tell you what a Faraday cage is. Um, when when Einstein and his buddies uh, were first refining and purifying uranium, um, they started noticing that the rays that were coming off were extremely harmful. And so they needed something that they could go ahead and um, protect their monitoring equipment from the damage of um, the electromagnetic radiation that was being put off by this by the refined uranium. So what they did is they invented the Faraday cage, and that started out as a grounded copper mesh that that covered their equipment. Okay. So, Faraday cage material, what, what you can build it with, um, electric fields are best conducted by materials that conduct electric current the best. Silver is number one, and copper is number two. S- aluminum is about 60% of copper, and iron steel is farther down the scale. So, knowing that about the materials, they conduct electric the best. 
Now you kind of need to know what you need to build with it. And, of course, with silver being the price it is, we're all going to go out and we're going to start melting down as much silver as we can get and building huge Faraday sheds. <laughs> okay, so we're not going to be doing that. Not going to be doing that one. Okay, what what's the regular guy going to be doing? Okay, here's the thing. We need to look at what electronics we definitely need to keep, you know, if something goes down. One thing that I strongly suggest that we keep and keep ready, it's going to be two ways. If something goes down, your cell service is done. So if the cell service is done, your cell phone is not going to be working at all. Corey, what do we use when we're going to areas where we know that cell service is not going to be available? We take our two-way radios. We take our two-ways. And so definitely store your two ways in a Faraday cage. What the hell are we going to store it in? Well, we found a couple things online. Now, you can go from extreme to, like, building your own to, um, you know, some of the more uh, pre-manufactured and reused um uses of some existing items that a lot of us already have. Um, so the first thing is a lot of people are talking about cardboard boxes that and wrapping them up in aluminum. I don't know if I'm going to trust that. Um, you know, it, it just said that aluminum is about 60% of copper with the, uh, uh, you know, with, with the uh, conductive value. You know, why would I want to even, even, you know, try that? So, so I'm not going to test it. You know, if, if aluminum, you know, pure aluminum has got that, why am I even going to mess with aluminum foil? So, you know, that, that's out of the question. Um, I strongly suggest all of our listeners to go out and look at this stuff, um, for yourself. But these are the things that we've found. Um, a poor man's Faraday for a poor man on the go is 50 caliber ammo can. Um, you can fit your two ways and lots of other small electronic devices in there. And, um, you know, there you go. There's a, there's a Faraday cage. The big thing is the insulation. What you use to insulate between your electronics and whatever that you use the, the, you know, whatever you use for your Faraday. Um, a lot of these forums and posts that I've been finding online, a lot of these guys are using the thicker corrugated cardboard and actually layering them. Um, you know, so if, if there is a pulse and it does get zapped, it travels around the Faraday cage and it doesn't even touch your electronics. I've seen posts on using galvanized garbage cans, but a lot of guys are saying, you know, don't use the, the galvanized garbage cans. You know, it, it's not really worth it. But what you want to look for is the old metal, uh, filing cabinets. One thing that's nice about that is garbage cans are around and they've got a weird shape to them. 
because they are tapered. An old filing cabinet, I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, cutting squares and rectangles for your insulation. So it's going to be a lot easier job to go ahead and, and get that, you know, all outfitted with your cardboard. So, uh, old filing cabinets, old freezers. Freezers would be great because they're already insulated. Yeah, you know, insulated and ready to go. Right. And here's, here's one thing that I thought was the absolute greatest idea. And especially for, you know, just you go to bed. This is where you put it. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, a lot of guys are just, uh, storing their electronics in their microwave oven. Just don't forget it's in there and. Right. When you go to nuke your next, right. You know, next meal. So your cup of coffee or something in the morning when you're still rubbing your eyes. Right. But yeah, a lot of those guys are, uh, are, are just using, uh, you know, your old microwave. So, and you could even, you know, store it in an old microwave that's, you know, broken or busted and unplugged and, you know, you could, you could store it in that. Um, one thing that, that you need to look at though, on some of these websites, uh, they're saying like, you know, as big as, you know, a metal shed, you know, and they're, you know, the wood, the wood floor is not conductive. And, uh, you know, the metal shed, you know, allows the, uh, the poles to pass through, but grounding is important. So they're all, you know, connecting them up to, to grounding rods. And, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, like, like 50 caliber, 50 caliber ammo can, you know, they're not grounding that, but, you know, the old filing cabinets, you know, they're going ahead and they're, they're grounding those. They're grounding, you know, the old freezers. And, uh, you're, they're grounding sheds. So it all depends on, on what you're using and, and what website, but it's something to check out. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, we, we don't, we don't know a whole lot about this. We're just learning ourselves, you know, with, uh, different preparedness for this, um, this sort of a situation, but, you know, just wanted to, we, we just wanted to get this out there to get everybody else kind of thinking. And, um, you know, we'd love to hear what you guys think about some of this. And since we were not, you know, too familiar with solar flares and the, you know, actions it can take on the earth, think about the worst case scenario. If there is a massive X2830 solar flare and it does create a G5 solar storm, which knocks out the power, you know, widespread power outage across the United States, you know, will you be able to, you know, move on and, and is your equipment that you have, you know, safe for that? I mean, that is a worst case scenario, but in the back of our minds, aren't we all kind of preparing for worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be a widespread, you know, panic but i never thought about i mean i have two-way radios in my bag or near my bag um but i never protected them in the past Mm -hmm. so it's something you know i think about you know well i'm i might as well you know go ahead and protect them because if i don't protect them and this is the disaster that occurs and from what we found out tonight and what we've looked up in the past few days um, it looks like they're only going to get stronger. 
um, throughout this year. Well, I mean, you know, think think about what we're gonna store, you know, in these Faraday cages. You know, even if it's just a 50 caliber ammo can, you know, we all have. And I think that's what I'm gonna start with. I, I think that's what I'm gonna start I mean, with. I too. don't know what all I need that's bigger than that at this point. Well, here's the thing, and if it doesn't work, well, it wasn't gonna work anyway, you know. Right. You know, if it really happens, that's the least, that's the least of your worries. You know, that, oh shit, it didn't work, you know. So, but, you know, there's, there's websites out there that's, that's stating that, you know, old ammo cans is, is what they're using. So definitely do some, inf- you know, information checking on that, please. Um, yeah, just think about, about what you're going to put in there, you know. You know, I'm, I'd probably assume, you know, a couple flashlights. You know, you don't need the uh, the electronics of flashlight getting getting fried. You know, two way radios. See, you just said flashlight, and I carry one on me and in my bag, and I didn't even think about you know having it protected. Mm-hmm. That's it's the things like that. You know, once you never thought of it before, and now it's like wow, there's there's a lot of things that I have packed that I take for granted. That if it wasn't able to be used, you know, I would be up the creek. Yep. And here's the thing, you know, just think about, you know, we're not talking, you know, complete, you know, apocalypse, you know, destruction. You know, but let's like say. Like the movie 2012. Right, right. But let's say, let's say, you know, power goes out for three days. Okay. If power goes out for three days, you know, in a large section of the country, you know, if you're in that section of the country, you know, it's, it's, you need to be comfortable for those three days, but what's going to happen afterwards? You know, I mean, the disaster itself, you know, this is a natural disaster. Um, you know, you're going to be looking at, you know, food shortages, you know, because of, you know, power outages, you know, you're going to have, you know, meat and, you know, freezers and, you know, because, you know, who knows what's going to happen at the grocery store and, you know, who's going to be wanting, you know, to eat that meat or whatever. You know, who knows? You know, it could lead to looting and everything else. You know, and then when the power comes back on, you know, let's say, yeah, you know, it's out for three days. You know, and we start restoring power within those three days. And, you know, the first leg comes back on three days later, well, it's going to take time to get all the legs back on. And, you know, just, just think about what could potentially happen, you know, with all that, you know, uh, uh, something, something as small as just like a three day outage. I mean, that could really, that could really throw, you know, everything up and, you know, especially if it does affect automobiles, you know, if it affects automobiles, (laughs) you're, you're done. Yeah, you're you're walking, you're biking. Well, not only that, you know, your goods are pretty right. much toast because I mean, trucks ain't moving. I mean, help ain't coming to you. And then look at the medical field. Mm-hmm. I mean, are they are you gonna be able to you know treat any you know injuries that may have occurred because of the disaster? Because who says, you know, you, you can get to the hospital and once you get to the hospital, 
if their stuff was protected and they were able to use their equipment, you know, to help diagnose or uh, treat your injuries. Well, you know, I wonder. Um, I wonder if hospitals, how shielded they actually are. You know, and where the shielding is, if it's just, and I'm, you know, I'm certain, of, you know, certain areas of the hospital are shielded, you know, obviously better than others. Right. But I wonder if it's, you know, completely like, you know, actually built into the structure, you know, like, like I'm talking the newer, newer right. structures, you know, or is it just, you know, basically, you know, shielded? I mean, that, uh, that's scary, you know, vamp, you know, good old, you know, Aunt Matilda's on a, on a, uh, you know, breathing apparatus and, you know, next thing you know, here comes the EMP. Well, <laughs> done deal, pal. Yeah. Done, so. Uh, something to think about. It's something that, you know, you never thought of before and now it's time to gather your information and, um, come to a census of what you need to, you know, what you feel you need to prepare for. Yeah, and I think and that's. I think Especially communication equipment, um, needs to be protected. Because once a disaster hit, no matter what the disaster is, after you, after, after you make sure, you know, your group, your family is safe and secure, the next most important thing is gathering information. Right. And what to do next, where the help is, you know, what's going on in your area. Yeah, and it's, you know, hopefully episode nine wasn't, you know, so boring for you guys that you've already clicked off, but it was just, it's one of those episodes that, you know, hey, we had a tornado and it was pretty devastating and it kind of opened up our eyes and it's like, wow, you know, that's, it's, it's, we're on the cusp of tornado season, you know, might as well do something on that, you know, to get everybody, everybody kind of thinking about it. And then about a week later, we had a, a yeah. solar flare. Right. So that that's what episode nine is. You know, it's definitely not our, uh, you know, one one of our, our better episodes. I had, I know, and I'm sorry, but you know, it's one of those. It's a lot of information putting out there. It's a lot of us reading. Um, right. It's not you know what we usually do. Right. So it's not you know maybe as fun and. But we hope that the information that we did give you is useful and you can take it, learn from it, and uh, maybe turn the table and help, you know, inform us more on uh, some of this as well. Right. And, you know, hopefully you know, this becomes maybe some water cooler talk and uh, maybe you can get some other people thinking around you um, because that's that's what this was. You know, we, we had those two events and it got us thinking. And it's like, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and share this with, with our audience. Because maybe it'll get them start thinking. Maybe it'll get them telling other people. Maybe they can start thinking about it too. So, um, well, I think that's episode nine, buddy. So don't forget to start sending us, um, or checking out our website and sending us voicemails on, uh, episode 10. Um, if we get enough voicemails, we'll do this as episode 10. Right. Um, if we don't get a lot of feedback, then obviously we're going to change it up. Um, something more, um, you know, that's on our list that we want to hit with you guys. Um, but until then, next time, you know, keep checking our, our website, www.survivaltech.webs.com. You can uh, go ahead and your forms. 
You can go ahead and email us at survival.tech at yahoo.com. And the voicemail line is 206-426-4893. Once again, that is 206-426-4893. And don't forget, our contest is still going on until we hit our 25th member um, for uh, the prize package for the member appreciation. Well, I think that ends the show. Corey, go ahead and take us out. And until next time... Keep preparing, gather information, and stay alive, America.